Welcome back to the Creatively Conscious Podcast, where we interview industry professional graphic designers and educate beginners through conversation and experiences. This is episode seven. You can listen to this podcast on all podcast platforms, or you can watch the interaction, action, and emotion unfold on YouTube. Thanks to everyone that's joining me today. Today's episode is a really insightful interview with Josh Daisley, the designer behind the Monochromatic Institute. It's packed full of advice for those aspiring logo designers. Josh has a very distinctive and cohesive portfolio of branding work, and I really wanted to dive into his process, journey, and also extraction tips for you guys that want to be logo designers, and those of you that want to be known for a particular style. But if you're not wanting to be a logo designer, stick around because these tips might also apply to you. In this episode, we speak about his approach when designing a logo, the way in which he works, and also where he gets his inspiration from. We also cover how he works with clients, with little tips along the way for you guys. I hope this episode offers some advice for those of you who want to be a brand designer or a freelancer. If you're new to this podcast and enjoy what you see, please don't forget to subscribe on the YouTube channel. And also, if you would, please leave us a like rating or even a review on podcast platforms. That way we can help more designers grow. Now, without any more hesitation, let's jump into the interview. Hey Josh, welcome to the Creatively Conscious podcast. It's amazing to have you on as a guest today. I've been really looking forward to this one because you're a logo designer by trade and something I want to really dig into is branding because I have a lot of my audience that actually really like branding or they want to be a logo designer uh, as a freelancer and I want to kind of pick your brain about uh, your career, your experiences and what you've been through to get to where you are. Um, so for the sake of the audience, if you could give a little introduction, uh, tell people about what you do and your experiences and where that's taken you to now. Okay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, my name is Josh. I'm from the Monochromatic Institute, which I set up uh, two years ago now-ish. Um, but yeah, primarily doing minimal kind of logo design, branding, things like that. Um, it was set up really on Instagram uh, as something, as a hobby. Just something I, that I wanted to do because you know that's kind of where my passions lie. Um, mm. Minimal branding design, um, and then yeah, it kind of yeah got popular and I started getting clients through it. Um, but before that, I had been working um, in the e-learning industry, which essentially what we were doing is um, building uh, learning like training programs for big companies like Rolls Royce and. Uh, banks and stuff like that, basically, so they can train their staff internally. It's not the most thrilling work in the world, um, but it pays the bills. Uh, so that's what I was doing before. Um, well, I actually went when I left uni. So I went to uni 2009 to 2012, um, Leeds College of Art, which I think is now called Leeds University. Hmm. And then I fell into that. And I actually had a little hiatus for about four years because I started to, I decided to brew beer okay yeah yeah i started up my little uh, little micro brewing business uh, with a friend and we just we taught people how to brew beer <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little a little bit different um but yeah they moved over to the states in 2018 beginning of um and then yeah kind of as i was waiting to get legal i guess so i could work in the us i started up the instagram page and then I, I do that full time now. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, what was it that inspired you um, 
to start that that beer company because that that's something I, I do want to touch on because it's such a uh, anomaly in your story yeah i mean i don't know about that come about i was working when i when i moved to brighton so i moved to brighton after i finished university and i for some weird reason i didn't want to go straight into graphic design i think i thought i was i wasn't good enough um and that kind of scared me a little bit i was like you know i'm not good enough so i'm not i'm not going to do it so it's kind of mm. yeah uh so I, I worked in bars for a bit and then i got really into i was working in a, a microbrewery in, in brighton and i got really into the brewing process and then i got chatting to some guys at the bar who were going to be opening opening up their own bottle shop and i decided that that sounded like a pretty cool idea so i went to work with those guys they were had a another well, i think it was a friend's company who was doing teaching people how to make beer so i helped out with that and then yeah i kind of just developed a really nice, like passion for creating these beers at home and then me and my friend he was working in a brewery at the time uh, we decided to um do that kind of like semi-professionally so yeah. we set up our own brew school company and we went around teaching people how to brew beer you know for like um like court um so my companies have like work dues and things like that. Uh, stag dues are really popular. Uh, and then we, we sold our own beer in, in pubs and stuff in the local area. Uh, so it's, we sold, I think we sold one of our beers in Brewdog as well. So Oh, really? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had, a, we had a beer called Logic Engine, which is an American parallel that we, yeah, we had a couple of kegs on in, in Brewdog, which is cool. Quite an achievement. Uh, but I, what I really liked from that, and I think what rekindled my... I don't know. Um, my passion and love for graphic design was creating the branding for that company. Um, I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I really, that was really minimal. I, I, I guess I, yeah, I can give you, might post some examples on my story of the branding, but it was super minimal, like one color uh, plus stock. And yeah, I really had a good time doing that, thinking of beer names and thinking of these crazy patterns for the, the beer labels and stuff. So, I started doing, try, trying to get more freelance stuff and then decided to go and work for this e-learning company, get a bit of graphic design there. And then, yeah, then I moved to the States and then just decided to do the Instagram thing, as I said. Uh, yeah. And it kind of just took off so the, I guess it was that, uh, was, can you put it down to that experience of creating the branding for your, your beer that kind of made you realize you wanted to go into branding or how did yeah definitely about? i think it was because i was the client and the designer at the same time it was kind of a unique perspective to be in, in the sense that i re really enjoyed telling the story of what i wanted to get across so yeah to people i wanted to you know and it was that i guess it was also people going oh who did your branding it's really cool and they're being like oh i actually did it and it's kind of getting that confidence going a little bit um, yeah, that, that confidence that you're almost like you touched upon missing yeah, from when you left university. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, confidence is such an important thing to have. And it's easy to get, it's easy to lose confidence. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that kind of definitely, that was the, the moment where I realized, yeah, no, this is something I want to do. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you, you said it just then that you were, you had a unique perspective because you were the client and you were the designer. Uh, 
how important is it and have you kind of taken that into what you do now um, on trying to un really understand the client um, yeah how much of that is in your process absolutely i think my process is still developing really but it's very important to understand why someone wants what they want you need to get on their kind of wavelength because otherwise if you don't have that then you're going to be you know going around in circles and essentially you're going to be producing work that they might not necessarily like and wasting your time and not building a good relationship with a client i think yeah it's imperative that you kind of understand what they want and what their business does and by that you kind of have to immerse yourself in in their situation you know you have to understand who their competition is you have to understand uh what's going to sell um it's going to get people interested in their product um but yeah i think also it's i being the client and the, the designer at the same time I, I kind of i wanted a certain aesthetic but then i realized as a designer i was like well maybe that's not going to work maybe people aren't going to buy into that so it did, it did make me realize that sometimes clients aren't always right in fact a lot of the time they're they have great ideas and they have they have something that they they want to uh develop but they might not be on the right track initially and i think that's just the it's about the designer having a conversation with the client and making sure that you are using your expertise to guide them in the right direction and i think you have to be very vocal about that especially from the start um yeah yeah it's 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 hard man. and it's yeah it's it's definitely there's definitely a learning curve and process mm. that needs to develop and as i said i'm still i'm still um, i'm still learning yeah. yeah well it's it's interesting how you said that uh you know it, it's good to almost sway uh, a client's ideas and the journey that they should be taking their uh, identity um and it, it's quite cool because you have a very distinctive style and um you are allowed because of your uh, cohesive body of work and the way you present it using your social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, you kind of talk about how, you know, your clients that come to you already want your style. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. That's, that's something that I'm quite fortunate to have at the minute. Um, and I, so I kind of, you know, touched on this earlier, but mm. um I founded a studio before what I'm doing now. And that was, that didn't work for me because it was like a mishmash of different styles. There was illustrative kind of stuff, um, minimal branding, like editorial design. And the clients that came through there with that kind of, that studio and that page it was really hard to understand what they actually wanted because they didn't really have a clear idea. Now I've kind of got this, this niche and I produce work that I want to, for one, I, I like making, uh, and two, it's all quite cohesive. I'm in a, in a good position in the sense that, yeah, people look at my work and go, yeah, that's exactly what I want. That's, that's what I want. So it makes it that initial conversation a lot easier. Yeah. yeah, because there are so many ways with all types of design, uh, so many ways to take something, uh, mm -hmm. so many different styling decisions that you might be making. And I guess that kind of really helps your process uh, of finding the right 
solution for a client mm -hmm. when yeah, they absolutely. are on board what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as you know, graphic design is essentially just solving problems visually. So having that, all the other stuff, you know, kind of, I don't know, whittled away so you can get down to this focus point. Um, mm. Yeah. So it's a lifesaver really <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine um <laughs> i can kind of see obviously by the amount that you put out uh the amount of designing that you're doing uh, obviously your feed is your feed on instagram isn't just your client work i mean you touched upon it in um I watched a I watched a live stream of Josh just for the audience. I watched a live stream of Josh that he did on Instagram, uh, just to get a little bit more backstory on his journey. Um, and he was talking about how the majority of his work is just self-initiated projects, um, and he puts a few bits of client work on there. But I, I'm really impressed with how you are able to juggle um, your business. Uh, as a designer, but then also have so much time to create um, and do self-initiated projects on social media. Um, obviously, you have a lot of love for design uh, and you seem to experiment quite a lot and have that kind of innocence of just creating. So yeah, where does that kind of stem from? Um, loads of things, really. I mean, inspiration, I've, you know, as, as I mentioned before, it can, it can come from anywhere. Um, I get inspired a lot by film, movies, like music. Um, I think the idea to create something, I think, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. I get spurred on by wanting to create by doing other things and, uh, watching other people design and things like that. And maybe thinking, oh, I could, yeah, I could design a company that did this, or what would it be like to design something that um, is gonna be used for this purpose, you know, things like that. Um, I find that a lot of my good ideas for client-based work will come from me just messing around um, with other things, you know, just experimenting. Um, I, I, and I think, you know, this is true for a lot of people, get quite flustered and like, I'm not very good at um, designing to pressure. It really right. inhibits my creative process because I'm questioning everything I do all the time. And it's just, it ruins my workflow. So if I kind of take, if I know I've got this client stuff to do, I would design something that's maybe in a, in a similar sector or industry. And I'll just start messing around and doing branding for myself, you know, just as a, a personal project. Yeah. And from that, the pressure is relieved and I'm able to kind of create freely and not be hindered by this pressure. And I find that, oh yeah, I could use that. I could use that. I could use that. And it's, that's, a, that's how I, that's how my brain works anyway. It's maybe it's a little bit of a convoluted way of doing things, but. No, I love that. <laughs> if, if that works for you and it takes all the pressure off and you, you feel yeah. like you're able to get in that creative flow, I, I, that's something that I haven't ever heard anyone else say. So yeah, it's, that's it's an amazing piece of advice for anybody <laughs> listening, you know? yeah it. yeah so and you know a lot of these a lot of the things on on my instagram are, are exactly that i'll have like i set out to do something um a little bit different and kind of from there i was able to piece together something that i could use for client work and things like that yeah yeah but yeah i just want to 
say that if anyone's listening and they don't know about Josh's work, um, you should have a look on Instagram. It's the underscore monochromatic underscore institute. Uh, so go and take a look at all his work just so that you understand what we're talking about. Um, mm. But how would you explain what you what you create? What's that? What's that kind of style? So I, can't, I keep forgetting who this. Someone mentioned it to me. They were like, "I, I like the ring to." Uh, I mentioned it on my Instagram live as well. He said that my work was kind of a cross between contemporary Swiss design and like old brutalist. Um, kind of, yeah, brutalist. What's the word they use? Brutalist design, I guess. Mm. Uh, which I kind of like the sound of because its basis is in, I guess, um, it's it's technically contemporary logo modernism, but a lot of this modernism, this modern modern style was actually created in the as early as like the 1940s and 50s, which is just flat logo design, uh, yeah. very basic shapes, very basic symbols, um, which is, you know, I think personally where if you want to deliver a message clearly and concisely, the less the less you need to use, the better, because you're not diluting the message. You get straight yeah. to the point. So I, I guess for anyone that is looking to become a logo designer um, or just getting into it, that's a great point. I think uh, if you're going to create a successful logo, it needs to be simplistic and try to create it with the least amount of elements. Uh, and that's kind of yeah. your success in design. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've everyone's guilty of, you know, when they first start logo designing of thinking of elements and going, oh, I could put that in the logo. Oh, I could put that mm. in the logo. Oh, I've just thought of that. I'll put that in the logo as well. And then before you know it, you've got these different meanings and different uh, kind of emotions that you want to convey and you've just put them all in to one logo and it's just like, wow, what is this? Like, what does yeah. this actually mean? It's, it's not just like a headache to look at visually, but it's mentally what's going on and like the, the messages you're, you know, trying to relate. You're like, just, ah. So yeah, it's yeah. just stripping it back, keeping it, keeping it simple. For sure. mm. Awesome. Uh, the thing I wanted to ask is, do you get bored of working in that one style? No, <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> Not really. Um, I maybe I will do one day. Yeah. Um, but I think you yeah, have to read the whole reason why I started up the page is because, you know, I was like, if I could get clients that wanted this style all the time, I'd be a happy man. And uh, I started doing it, and yeah. I've been doing it for a while now, like posting very frequently. You know, I've never been, yeah. I've never looked at something and gone, oh, it's getting a bit dull now. The only thing I probably get that with is typefaces. I go through habits of, you know, I'll have a typeface and I'm like, this is the best typeface in the world. Why would I use anything else? I'm going to use it for everything. Um, yeah. And then I look at it and I go, oh, and then I'm kind of bored of that typeface now and I'm going to switch it up. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe type. Every time I can mention type, I get a bit bored of that. Yeah. I don't know with the with the stuff that I'm doing. I always seem to be able to find a new method. I mean, it might not look any different on screen, but the way I've produced it is different. So I think right. that's important to know as well. Um, if I was doing, if the process behind me creating a logo was exactly the same, then yeah, I'd get bored. But mm. being able to switch up the process and yeah, come up with different solutions to creating the same visual aesthetic, then yeah, that's important. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, because I, I guess we have we even 
said this, um, your design that you do share is black and white or black, white, and like a light gray. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so. like what's, what's the gray called? I don't know what it's called, but it's E3, E3, E3 on a hex code. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, my work that I show on uh, Instagram is primarily black and white, but client-based stuff, I use color. Cool. Uh, and, but do you think that black and white allows you to, to, to design better? <laughs> um, I think what black and white does is... Yeah, I think what, so this is what I, when I present to my clients, I'll initially show them in black and white. I don't like doing color first because I think what color can do is give an unfair advantage to uh, your, what you've worked so hard to achieve in terms of layout and composition. You know, if they right. like blue over green, they're going to be like, oh, blue one, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I tend to do black and white because it gives a very neutral perspective of the work done. Now, once a concept has been selected then that's when we start messing around with color that's how i do it anyway it's, cool yeah. yeah so so working in black and white allows you to see the uh contrast balance yeah, absolutely. all that layout kind of stuff nice yeah. so yeah if, if you're designing logos anyone that's listening um Josh's, Josh's suggestion that's hard, easier than it than it is to say um <laughs> is to start in black and white uh figure out what looks good in black and white, uh, present it to your clients in black and white because color can skew their perception uh, mm -hmm. and their opinions. And then go back in afterwards, once a concept, the idea, the entire idea is uh, solidified and they're happy with it, then you can go in and add color. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they, if they specify that they got a certain color in mind, obviously. But, and also make sure that they know that you're gonna present in black and white at the start because i've done that a few times now like, where's the color and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> about that yeah yeah cool good advice um you said before that you kind of start with a grid sometimes and uh so how how important are in your work well grids were game changer for me to be honest i don't i don't start with that no but it's always the same grid like well always the same grid. there's two that i've used um in my when i first started the page i didn't use a grid at all and i quickly realized that my work would benefit from a grid just because of the style like cute angles and shapes and uh minimal kind of design approach so yeah i i quickly got a basic square grid down and i have my own way of working with that grid that allows me to create certain shapes um and styles that are quite unique to what i do um so yeah grid's very important for me just the, it's just a very just the square grid um, but i don't use the grid function on on illustrator i make my own grid on a different layer okay yeah basically used yeah kind of use that i do it that way i don't know why i did that i think there was a reason for it <laughs> oh no that was it yeah my my monitor my external monitor was a bit shit and it didn't when i turned the grid feature on yeah. it didn't show up because the color um, calibration oh, was on. okay yeah so i was like oh i'm gonna have to make my own grid and then i've just started doing that now so yeah. <laughs> well, i think it works nicer sometimes because uh especially illustrator it can be a little bit finicky with what points oh. it pins to and yeah. different things like that the snap to grid feature is a bit restricting 
So mm. I like to be able to have, um, yeah, if you put the grid, if you design your own grid and then put it on a different layer and then put that underneath a new layer, then you'll still get the snap to point features, which are really important. But the snap to grid is a bit of a pain. Cool. So how do you how do you implement a grid? So you, you you're given you you've obviously created yourself a let's say it's a nine by nine or whatever, I don't know what you use, but what's your first instinct when you see that grid? Um, my first instinct is to create a so this is what I do. I create a 20 pixel spacing. So I create a vertical line that's 500 pixels long. I copy and paste that, which is 20, yeah, 20 pixel spacing. And I do that and then I rotate it. I've got this square grid. And then I know everything that I use in terms of strokes. Uh, if I set them to 20 points, it's going to fill a cube. Uh, so I could draw, yeah. I could draw the line across just the line and set it to one pixel and it'll be one pixel. But if I filled it to 20, it'll fill up a square. Mm. So I quickly realized that if I did that with shapes and then cut them up, I could align them and it would, I could still use strokes. But it would it would be like I expanded the path. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bit again. It's a weird way of doing things. I'm probably you know there's probably people out there going, "What are you doing?" Um, <laughs> but that's how it's enabled me to create some weird shapes and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's how I start off. Yeah. Do you sketch before you before you jump on? I do sometimes. I think for the the way I've got my process down, it's actually a lot quicker for me to get ideas out on screen than it is on paper. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just because a lot of them do involve these big blocks, and if, I think if you sketch something out and you're just using lines, you can kind of get an overall idea of what the shape's going to be. But when then it translates across the screen, you find it doesn't work that well. It doesn't. You know, it's like oh no, I think these you know strokes a lot fatter than it's not going to look how it was on paper so i just kind of i tend to just go straight on screen yeah i guess for your unique uh, circumstance your your stuff is all like um you need equal spacing you mm-hmm. need uh balance and all that kind of stuff and i guess if you were to draw it it wouldn't be equal you yeah it would that be almost mathematical sense yeah you need to be really really good at sketching and yeah, um, a lot of my work involves rotation and stuff like that. So if I create an object and I rotate it, you know, I'd have to draw it again in the, you know, on the paper. And it's just, it, 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 yeah, it, for me, it just wastes time a little bit. But conceptually speaking, if I need to very quickly understand how a shape might form, then yeah, mm. I'll do lots of very, very, very quick sketches. But there's no nothing detailed. Awesome. Now that's that's cool to to know. I think because a lot of people will tell you just to sketch first, sketch first all the time. Like you can I, get ideas out quick, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I was always taught you know you need to sketch. That's like the number one thing you need to do. But if you're quicker at sketching on the screen, then do Go that. For it. Yeah, yeah. Sketching is all about you know uh, getting ideas out fast and kind of noticing which ones are going to work and not going to work. So if you can apply to this, the same thing on screen, you might as well do it. Yeah. Mm. it it's funny you, you did mention it because I was going to bring university and your learning experience back around. Um, so I just wanted to ask, like, what were the biggest takeaways from your learning experience um, 
in an, an actual formal education because obviously there's so many people out there I, my previous episode that I, that I released um, was me and my mate just talking through our experience of uni uh, but I wanted to know if yours was very similar uh, in terms of what you actually took away from it uh do you know what honestly didn't take an awful lot out of uni university i did graphic design three years uh i think the only it was very nice to be able to talk about your ideas to people and things like that in discussion groups and like critiques yeah. and things like that that was that was very helpful and i liked being able to learn how to talk about design and learn how to articulate certain ideas and things like that um lots of people worry about what grade they got at the end of it and it was like it's, honestly it's just mostly subjective art form you don't need to worry about a little two one or first or two two or mm. third you don't need to worry about it as long as you have an understanding of design principles and your portfolio looks you know fucking awesome and that's that's what you need to worry about um yeah i like as i said yeah it was definitely the social aspect um being able to talk ideas through that benefited me the most. Um, there's you know a few things that you you might take like color theory, uh, things like that. But I find honestly, the, the, for me anyway, I learned so much more actually being in the industry than I ever did at uni. Yeah, cool. And or doing uh, things for yourself. Awesome. Yeah, I think you, you're very right there. Uh, there are some things that you just you can't teach um things like pressure uh quick turnarounds and mm -hmm. uh because we, we would be working on a project for like 12 weeks whereas like <laughs> yeah right i've been yeah. in it i've been in industry for like six months working as web designer i, I know you don't get 12 weeks for a project uh, no, so yeah, I, I almost yeah. feel like some of the teachings are a little bit flawed or the way they structure it well and i think how they grade i mean they have to, so the way they grade work was a bit ridiculous. I thought it was like, the more variations you show, essentially your, your grade is going to be better. So mm. people are doing the same logo and changing the color of it like 20, 50 times, and then doing, changing the kerning slightly or changing the typeface. I'm like, the only reason why you're doing this isn't to show your design process. It's to make sure that the people are looking at your work. It's to make the, sure that they think that that's what you've been doing you know yeah. and i just thought i could kind of see through it and it was it was it was a way of them justifying making it a course essentially you know because you have to if you're going to do if you're going to get a degree out of it it has to be great there has to be some sort of objectiveness to it i guess Absolutely. Uh, yeah for them to be able to grade it uh yeah. but i found as well like just as as like you said um as soon as you give up trying to achieve the grades uh, you actually start doing better because yeah, <laughs> you have that fun and the creative uh, freedom and yeah exploration and you have just a bit more interest in what you're actually doing trying to create a, a sick portfolio is yeah. a way better way to approach university rather than thinking i need to get first every single project i do yeah i mean i know i know great designers who got really bad grades but their portfolio looked amazing and they had you know they walked into the best jobs whereas you know Whereas, sorry, you could get a designer who didn't really concentrate on their portfolio and was just concentrating on hunting grades. And then portfolio was a bit weak, didn't necessarily get the job that they hoped for. You know, that's yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's union, I guess. But also, yeah. like things, um, a lot of our grade in our third year was based on a dissertation, 
which I'm not going to use that. No one cares about yeah. my dissertation. No one cares about, yeah, no employee is going to care about that. So I don't worry about it. Just make sure your portfolio is, is really nice and that you enjoy what you're doing and yeah, you have an understanding of what's expected of you in the, in the real world. So it's yeah. Did you have an understanding of what you enjoyed designing when you left university? I did to a point. Um, I really liked information graphics when I left. I was obsessed with just creating uh, quite minimal information graphics. I did one on the space shuttle, which still to this day is probably one of the best pieces of work I've ever produced. And it was almost by accident. Um, basically, what I did is I plotted the takeoff position in terms of angle of right. each space shuttle worked out how far away their orbit was the furthest away from the earth and then the closest. And I mapped out these information points and I, on Illustrator, and I realized I could see these circles forming of like their oh, orbits right. and yeah. like, and it just ended. And then I plotted like where the international space station was and uh, Mir and you know, realized that they were like, it just made this map of, and I was yeah. like, oh, this is amazing. And I just, yeah. <laughs> actually won me, um, it didn't win me, but went to, you know, DNAD, they still do that. Mm, yeah, I, I actually, uh, I won a DNAD. Oh, you, you won? Okay. So yeah, I, I got selected to go. Um, I got, I get my work showed and it didn't win anything. But. <laughs> Well, at least you got to go. We didn't get to go because it was COVID. Oh, no. Yeah, so that sucks, man. We haven't even got our pencil yet, but, you know. <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, mm. We were so excited just to, like, get get suited and booted and go down to London and yeah, yeah, yeah. host it. But, yeah, we were unfortunate. Um, yeah, it. but but the, the moral of the story there is, like, creative accidents. Yeah, absolutely. Almost work like, out in your favor. The best things I've ever done have been accidents. So, and also, you can't get accidents by not doing anything. You have to keep doing stuff to get those accidents to occur. So, the more you design, yeah. the more you will succeed in things like that. Okay. Hmm. And how how much of your uh, how much of your exploration when it comes to logo design is you know try fit this here or fit that there, and those those happy accidents kind of forming. Depends, depends really. I mean, I get a lot of, because my stuff is very minimal geometric and it relies heavily on negative space. A lot of the time, negative space will like just pop up in, like, mm. you'll get a shape out of it and you'll be like, oh, that's amazing. I can use that. So yeah, I, I think when it turns to negative space, a lot of the time, it'll be somewhat of an accident. Yeah, cool. Uh, so one thing I wanted to ask was, what does a typical project look like for you? Um, and can you like break down what's kind of going on in your head when you take on a new client? Yeah, so when I take on a new client, I, as I said before, really appreciate the client giving me as much as they possibly can about what they want and what the company is and who their competitors are and things like that. I spend the best part of the day really, really kind of trying to get into their head. Yeah kind of identifying what the problem is. Yeah. Um, uh, so once I've done that, it's, I like to yeah, jump straight onto the to the screen, I guess, and just kind of 
messing around with messing around with shapes. I think I really like being able to see a process like very very literally. So if they were like I did a logo for a groundworks company in uh, San Francisco recently, right. and I really just like they showed me what they did and it was like precision boring and this thing comes down into this trench and basically bores into the ground and that's all i saw was this in my head it's kind of this line and going like that yeah and that really you know that kind of almost for me i was like wow that's a concept because that's you know that's visually what they do on a very very simplistic level yeah and then i copied and pasted that and i've got this like waveform I absolutely loved it and it was just like it was bang on and i really like being able to see the process i get quite frustrated when i get very generic companies that i don't really know anything about like investment companies and then uh, mm. it's 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 very tricky because there's so many of them and you want to avoid the design cliches like arrows pointing and you know yeah anything and to do with like bar graphs or yeah. yeah just like stuff like that and it's just like right i need i need to be able to see what you do if that makes mm. any sense yeah i really like did another one for barefoot running shoe um based in switzerland i really enjoyed that one and again it was just for me what signified barefoot running shoes were very light um lighter than air almost so i want to kind of i wanted to represent the ground and then this the shape of the shoe but leaving the ground and i wanted to have like this dynamic dynamic uh quality to it so mm. i did these lines and i just came up with this very simple two lines uh with loads of like almost speed lines coming out of it and, you know i really like that because i could see the, what i wanted to create in my head um, so that's what I kind of try and go towards. If I a concept uh, being able to yeah. actually yeah, yeah. visually being able to see a concept play out in my head. Yeah. I think um, again to anyone that is wanting to be a logo designer, um, what Josh just said there, like not going for the standard creative solution. Uh, don't just try and stylize something. Try and actually create a feeling or. A, a sense of what someone does so that you visually yeah. immediately can tell or even if you even if there's no like iconography or like this link to what they do just yeah just a feeling of what that company does um is is way better it's definitely harder to do with certain things than it mm. is to do with uh, it's again that's just a learning curve and you'll find that the more you keep doing it and the more clients you get the easier it is to kind of understand visualize certain concept yeah sure yeah yeah and, that, and that's why i like your work so much because there are so there's so many um, different logo designers out there especially dotted around on social media um but what you actually do is i think it's creative solutions uh, like down to its bare bones i think you actually come up with something clever every single time and i look at you like look at what you've created i'm like that didn't come out about by accident. Yeah, I think, you know, as much as happy accidents are great to have, if they don't reflect on what you're designing for, then 
yeah, it's you take those happy accidents and you you design something to fit into those. Yeah, yeah. at the time. Um, yeah, I I like to think that my work is well when I set out to specifically design for a client, I want to give them something that is unique as much as it possibly can be. Um, which is why it's so important to get information about um, their competitors and things like that. Because mm. last thing you want to do is create something that's already been done. Um, yeah, try and just make it as unique and creative as possible. Don't be afraid to get quite abstract with it, because a lot of the time it's a feeling that's created. Uh, and if that, if the vibes are good, then yeah, more 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 often than not, the client's going to go for it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and uh, you talked about these kind of investment companies that you might have to have to work for, um, but I know you're also a, a big fan of turning down people that you don't want to work with. Um, and how yeah, much does I, that come into your your whole business? Uh, it's it's it's. I think basically, I only turn down clients if I know that their vision is something that it, I'm not going to be able to, not necessarily match, but deliver in the sense that. If it's a bit too illustrative or a bit too detailed, um, I'll probably tell them that I'm probably not the right person for it. And that's yeah. not just because, you know, um, I think if I wanted to do their style, I maybe could do it and mm. deliver it. But honestly, it's just about being honest with the client and saying, you're probably going to get a better results somewhere else, to be honest, because you're not going to be happy with anything I produce, per se. And that, that, that's a, a very good uh, self-evaluative way to approach it and uh, an honest and um, yeah, honourable, I think. Yeah, if, if there's someone that can produce a better outcome for you, then, then go with them. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I will link them to people who I think could do a good job. And I'll give people other designers a heads up saying, hey, I've, got the, I've had this client who wants this, so I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to really deliver what you want, so what they want, and I'll reach out. Yeah, I think that's mm. the best way to do it. And also, I don't like designing stuff that I'm not going to enjoy. And I, I know that there's going to be that added pressure of being like, oh, I'm not really used to doing this sort of thing anymore. So yeah, I'm going to waste the client's time, the client's money. I don't want to do that. So I'd rather just go, no, you would be better off somewhere else. Yeah. Do you, I guess you prefer the, the clients that come to you that are, that are a fan of your work. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I do. It's a bit vain, almost, but I do prefer them to have the same initial outlook on things. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, because you need to be on the same page. Um, if they've seen my work and going, oh yeah, that's really cool, but we we want like a watercolor illustration of you know some flowers. Mm. I'm not. I'm going to be like, well, no, I'm not. That's I, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I do know a really good watercolor artist, though, that's going to be able to do that for you. Uh, yeah. What what kind of tips would you have for somebody that wants to niche down and be known for a particular style? Were there any things you have to overcome? I think you have to overcome yourself initially. Um, you have to be confident in what you're doing. And you also have to be passionate about, you know, the approach you're taking like when i started the page all it was was experiments on creating futuristic corporate logos that i thought looked cool mm. that's all it was 
and that's all it has to be. It doesn't have to have this grandiose finish. Um, most most successes come from very small beginnings, uh, and it's important not to get bogged down into uh, yeah, bogged down on the the bigger picture. If you like doing a certain style, and you've got like an hour or two to you know spare each day, yeah, just yeah, get it out there. People will want to see your work regardless of what it is. Uh, consistency is another thing. If you're starting off an Instagram page or anything like that, there are going to be times where you hate what you've produced or you don't think anyone's interested and you're not as good as you thought you were or people are going to see through you. Um, but to be honest, you, that's always going to come. I, I still get that now. I, you know, sometimes I look at my work and go, oh, my God, that's, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, don't worry about like the little things like followers and they'll come. Just get the work out consistently. Yeah. And yeah, you'll, you'll develop your skills as a designer, regardless of how successful it is. So. Yeah, I think you touched upon consistency there. And uh, although I went to university to learn design, I actually learned a huge amount from just creating work and putting it out there um, for people to see. Yeah. Back in 2017, I mentioned it in the last episode I, that I did a design daily for a year um, and challenged myself to do that. I had one one hour in the day and it's like you have to create something and post it uh, because it's not the actual process of um, coming up with an idea and all that kind of stuff. It's literally just get something out there and pressure yourself into, into creating something because the more you do it, the better you will become and the less of a perfectionist you'll be. That makes oh, sense. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, done is better than perfect. It's that age-old saying, mm. isn't it? It's, and it's true. It doesn't have to be absolute perfection because it's not going to be perfection. Regardless of where you are in your career, you're never yeah. going to post something that's like, yeah, I've reached the pinnacle of my success. That's it for me. You know, might as well stop. Yeah. So yeah, just get it out there. I mean, you look mm. back at my early stuff, a lot of it's a bit, but, you know, I was going to delete it, but I'm like, no, you know what? I'm not going to delete it because... It's nice it's to look back the, on. Yeah, it's part of the story and it's part of the development. And it's nice to look back and even in such a short space of time, you can, you can see what you've accomplished. Mm, mm, I think, yeah, that's good. Um, and moving to America, this is something that I wanted to talk about because it, it's such a, a big thing because, it, you know, you moved to America and you started the Monochromatic Institute. Did it give you like a, a new fresh start almost being in a new place thinking you know i've got the potential here to start up this um what would you call it is, is it a design agency is it a creative business what would you um, call it it's yeah i'd like to i'd like to be able to call it a, an agency or a studio but essentially it's just it's just me um <laughs> It's just me sitting at my desk in my pants <laughs> and getting paid. That's that's the biggest thing. Paid. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, America. Moving to the states three years ago, I was in a position where I wasn't allowed to work, um, and stuff with my getting permanent residency was very. Um, there was lots of hiccups in that, and then COVID happened, which made it even worse. So I, I was actually stuck indoors because I wasn't able to drive anywhere, wasn't able to get a job, and the Institute, as I just call it for short, is, or TMI, was born out of that 
um, I guess, boredom and being stuck somewhere. I was like, right, I'm just going to, got loads of time to create something that I want to create now. You know, I'm not going to bother trying to create stuff that I think other people are going to be interested in. I'm going to do this for me. Yeah. And I kind of got these, you know, I, my kind of inspiration, uh, yeah, comes from that kind of Soviet brutalist architecture and the kind of ominous nature of some of the institutions from the Cold War and things like that. So I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that. I wanted to create something that was a little bit mysterious, a little bit old school, um, a little bit ominous in its sounding, like the Institute. Mm. Where are the Institute? What are they doing? Like kind of like 1984, like thought police, things like that. Uh, going back to style of design, um, kind of refer to, I've referred to it before as, um, what did I say? Design permits the mind to create freely, providing it, it adheres to a regimented set of rules. And it's kind of like a, a double think, which is basically a, uh, a sentence or statement that contradicts itself yeah or can be believed simultaneously or independently from one another so the idea that design is a creative process but at the same time and it's a free process you know you're you're free to create anything you want but if you're a graphic designer you have to adhere to these set of rules that have been in place which kind of like it's that battle between you know the rules and the creative freedom. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting. So that's, yeah, I wanted to kind of make it a little bit mysterious. And yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that that's such, that sums up design perfectly because yeah, we have so much uh, freedom to do whatever we want. However, if you got, if you want to make it successful and work uh, yeah. for an audience, it needs to follow the rules uh, that somebody made up. You like it, it's so crazy, um, and I guess that's what an institute is, isn't it? It's yeah, and I, yeah. I wanted, to, I, I did want to, yeah. I like the idea of like being institutionalized is mm. just being uh, almost brainwashed into thinking a certain way, and it's like, but what, what else can I, you know, do I have to believe this for the rest of my life, or can I, you know, create and be free? Uh, but it's yeah, it's that kind of. Uh, what you've learned just pulling you back in and saying mm. no you can't do that because that's yeah. not what we've done like traditions and stuff like that. so yeah and i think i want to turn it into something eventually would love to turn it into a studio eventually yeah um but we'll see mm. yeah it is early days i guess still um yeah, as long as you're enjoying it uh, mm. continually creating with that style and like you said you're not you're not bored of it yet so you've got some legs to you still yeah um do you reckon like if you were to bring somebody on to help you would they need to have a similar design style or would it be almost like they have their own style as well and then you could it's a difficult one isn't it i guess that is the one of the things i've struggled with thinking about for a long time because yeah you do want someone to have the same style as you because if they or the way, the same way of thinking, and the same yeah. way of coming up with solutions. Because if you don't, then it's, you're gonna have this crazy riff. But also at the same time, I, you want them to have a completely different skill set. Mm. <laughs> There's no point in hiring someone else exactly the same as you because I can already do that. Yeah, um, I'd like to start doing more motion stuff. Uh, 
I really want to not be pinned down to a low being a logo house. Right. Uh, I want to really. I'm gonna. I'm switching up my feed, which is the first one. My first post today actually was Ooh. a sign of other things to come. Yeah. Rather than this kind of top-down view of this is a logo, this is a mark, this is a logo, this is a mark. But yeah. I want to get. I really want to explore other branding elements now. Mm. I think I've done as much as I can in terms of growing myself with just posting logos. The logos come, you know, they're part of the branding. So I'd, I'd like to show other things. Uh, but yeah, maybe employing someone who has a bit of understanding on uh, motion graphics, maybe, um, yeah, things like that. Awesome. Yeah, that, that sounds exciting. Sounds uh, a nice way to expand the business in, in terms of what you can deliver but keep mm -hmm. that style i guess i didn't didn't really think about that until you mentioned it um what would be your final message to anybody that's wanting to start as a logo designer um my final message keep it simple uh write a list of ideas if you're creating a logo write a list of messages that you want to convey and then cross them all out and just have one or two and design of the back of that. Um, if you like sketching, go for it. Go, you know, do sketching if you think that's going to help the process, but be true to your, how your brain works, I guess. Like don't just, because jumping straight on a computer for me works for me, this doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So mm. if you find it easier to create ideas doing that, yeah, do that. Um, get, make sure your work is seen. Uh, Instagram is such a good place to do that. Um, ask the, uh, people for um, advice, tips. Just don't be, don't be shy. Uh, remember that everyone starts from somewhere, and yeah, make sure you inspire yourself. You know, by good logo books or Pinterest things like that. Follow people that uh, you think you know their work makes you makes you tick. Mm. Yeah, that's really it's really important. It's just making sure the passion doesn't die because if you know if yeah you're slugging away at something that you don't want to do you're not going to do it you're not going to do it well yeah i think um just to add on to that as a as a, as a final question from me to you um do you think you can create can do you think you can teach creativity uh, or passion in design and for someone that wants to be a designer but hasn't got that creative bone yeah. Uh, I think creativity can be learnt. Um, definitely. Yeah. And again, that would be that would be making sure that you became inspired, I guess, because without inspiration, you're you're not going to have that spur to be able to want to learn how to create and mm. learn how to create. Um, if you want to be a logo designer, then it's in there somewhere, that passion and the the, 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 the yearning to create. So yeah, make yeah. sure that you just constantly surround yourself with design. Yeah, I, I, a lot of the time, you know, the spur to design for me is getting like quite envious of someone else's work. Mm. Like I've been like, oh, that was so good. Like, yeah, that was mm. so good. Like that's and it's you use that to if you get bitter about it and go, oh, I'm not going to do it, then that's, you know, you're really wasting that, those emotions because those are the things that really spur you to it. 
create and you know when you're feeling tired and you don't necessarily want to sit in front of the computer make sure you're looking at great design because then you'll be like ah oh, i can do that i know i can do that and it really kicks you up the ass yeah. yeah i think it's such a such a strong thing for people for people starting out to understand what good looks like um even if it's not yeah. good from good from a client perspective just what do you think good looks like because then you'll learn yeah. that style you'll learn how to how to produce what you call good work and uh, i think that will drive you as well yeah absolutely it's just keep doing it little and often a little bit each day mm, incremental growth love it <laughs> cool it's been amazing to have you on josh um where can people find you obviously we've talked about your instagram but um yeah instagram is probably the main one uh a bit on behance I'm trying to post more on behance now um, my website which is on my instagram page so that's just the monochromatic.institute um dribble yeah i'm trying to post more on dribble as well there's so many platforms now yeah it's really there are. hard, it's, it's <laughs> it's really hard. I'll, yeah. I'll leave um, i'll leave any of your links in the description of this episode so people can find you if they want to but mainly just go and go over to his instagram and you'll find the majority of it there won't you? Mm-hmm. awesome well yeah thanks once again so much for coming on josh it's been an absolute pleasure um i'm gonna end the episode there on youtube so yeah thanks so much to everyone that's been watching um, from me and josh i'll see you next time thanks so much to anyone that has made it this far in the show it was seriously amazing to dive into josh's experience and extract some advice from his journey I hope you all found something educational to take away from today's episode. For more educational design content, feel free to follow me over on Instagram at hedges.design. You can also follow Josh over there too at the underscore monochromatic underscore institute. I'll leave all of the details in the description of this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, that's all from me today. However, if you're listening on audio platforms, please stick around where we're going to have quickfire questions for the next 20 minutes or so. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Cool. We are into the audio only. Thanks so much to everyone that's made it this far. Um, I've really enjoyed this one. We've got some amazing advice in there, all about logo design. But right now we're going to jump into the quickfire questions that I have prepared for Josh and that Josh has prepared for me. So uh, I'm going to kick this one off with my first question. And it's probably probably quite relevant to what you do but what would you do if there was no color in the world i would be absolutely fine with that uh i'm actually colorblind <laughs> really wow yeah yeah it's i really mean it's branded not... aren't you <laughs> yeah really i really am I, I say that to so many people and they're just like nah you're joking i'm like no nope, colorblind <laughs> i'm pretty bad as well so um i wouldn't care that much for my work obviously yeah. if there was no if i couldn't see it, if i was just seeing in black and white then that would be really that would be really boring yeah. <laughs> for my work i would be, yeah, don't care <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome cool uh we'll do it back and forth so you can yeah 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 all right I've, this is my my first question to you is quite broad and it's simply what makes you tick what makes me tick um my drive to create i think um no no matter whether it's client work that i get great feedback from or whether it's instagram content that people respond well to um just creating something that i can leave behind 
um, mm-hmm. in my life is, is something that really does drive me forward. Uh, and just to think like when I have children or whatever, they can look back at everything I've created and it's all documented uh, and it's like a, a legacy sense. in itself. Yeah, the legacy, man, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool. Very nice. Cool. Uh, are there anything, is there anything in particular that you really miss about living in the UK? Oh, there's so many things. I don't even know where to start with that one. Um, I think, well, let's just start with these simple things. Um, Marmite, uh, I miss that a lot. Even though you can get it in the States, it's very expensive. Um, <laughs> cask beer, like, you know, mm. traditional flat and just warm beer, really miss that. Pubs, just being able to walk places easily. Um, yeah, I think those are the main things. Public transport. I know it was a bit shit in the really? but it, it, at least it was there. You know, where I live, especially in Florida, there's no public transport whatsoever. So it's just, I can't drive at the moment either, so I'm stuck. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected that to be fair. Like public bus, like I would. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, it's in England. It's hands down so much better. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you live in New York, um, yeah, good public transport, but now in the, in the sticks in Florida. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my question. Um, yeah. What makes you angry? What makes me I, uh You could talk to a lot of uh, my friends and family, and I don't really get too animated when I'm angry. Um, it's more of like an internal frustration, if anything. Uh, there's stuff like if you're working on something really, really hard, and it's just it's just not it or you know, you've worked so long on creating something and you, and you lose it or you know, anything like that. Uh, something even as simple as like forgetting to record a, uh, audio on a podcast, like something like that, <laughs> it really infuriates me because, you know, um, I think it's when I when I create and I lose it because you will never be able to bring it back. Yeah, even if yeah, you try to recreate it, it will just mm-hmm. never be the same. Um, but also like in a in a real world sense, if somebody is trying to um, use their f- like false authority, you know, when you put somebody in like a high vis jacket and they just yeah, yeah, yeah. they just try and like boss you about, um, yeah. that does frustrate me as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I, you struck me as a quite a chilled person. Um, I'm not in, <laughs> in, in. Uh, yeah, I get, I get stressed out quite a lot. Um, in terms of work, yeah, if I'm technology really winds me up if something's not going right and i know that i've spent a lot of money on something that should work and i know yeah. that it's a multi multi-billion dollar industry and these people are getting paid i don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and it just doesn't work mm. like that oh yeah i mean I, yeah i get really frustrated with that and when i lose something <laughs> as well if i lose my wallet god drives me oh. insane. what also i think a lot of people will relate to this you know when you're trying to do things fast on like let's say illustrator or photoshop and you just keep pressing oh, yeah, the wrong yeah. button on your keyboard uh, dude, yeah i i ah. yeah, all the time yeah <laughs> i think and it's really frustrating as well because uh yeah it's one of those things that if you just took your time with it you end up getting it done quicker than rushing because yeah, yeah the amount of times send it to the wrong email address because i'm not clicking in and like having attached the document and stuff and it's just yeah, yeah it's a nightmare <laughs> Uh, cool. If you weren't a designer or you couldn't be a designer, what would you do for a living? I'd probably be brewing beer, I think. Yeah. As much as 
Uh, you know what? It's it's really weird actually because I've, I've I'm like really gluten intolerant. Uh, so is my girlfriend. And yeah, and so and I didn't. I always knew there was something a little bit off, and I was like, I didn't want to kind of do the elimination diet and give mm-hmm. up a good beer. <laughs> and then yeah, when I I did the elimination diet and blood test, I was like, ah, oh, like that. that is what it um, is. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but I'd still probably be brewing it, yeah, even though I couldn't burn a tiny bit. Um, That's I just. I can't really think of anything else that I would do. Yeah. That is that is such a. If that was like your your second passion, <laughs> why why have you been played that card? That's so. Annoying. I know. I, I imagine if I didn't, you know, because there was a time where I was like, you know what. It's either graphic design or beer. And if I had gone down the beer route and then mm. just to find, I'm like committed 10 years of my life to really doing this and then just to find out that it's a, Yeah, it's almost like a blessing that you told. didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, blessing in disguise for sure. But then, but then I think it's it also comes up, it comes across like an intolerance or something comes about because of exposure to it, doesn't it, as well? Um, so like yeah. my girlfriend got hers because she worked in a bakery uh, oh really? Obviously, That's yeah, crazy. touching bread all the time, and uh, no way. Yeah, the only the only I really do. way it affects me, her intolerance affects me, is if we want to get a Domino's because they <laughs> they don't do uh, gluten free large pizzas, so we have to go to Pizza Hut. Oh mate, I yeah, I had a gluten free pizza from Domino's, and it was mm. pretty bad. It's just, yeah. yeah. They're your own like ten inch personal pizza. I don't know how they do it in the UK. But... Yeah, like they 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 only do like the smalls i think in gluten yeah. free, which is uh anyway um <laughs> i digress <laughs> cool uh um, go on for me my question right yeah uh <laughs> what's your go-to guilty pleasure pizza <laughs> it's just i i've had um i've been guilty of having like i think it was four pizzas in a week for dinner all pizzas in a week and that's pretty good that's it came good. about because uh i moved out of my parents house and i was just living on my own and there's no one looking over my shoulder thinking what are you what are you digesting yeah. and like i've formed some bad habits uh luckily i'm kind of over that and i'm cooking a little bit more for myself but uh yeah it's just so easy to sling on a pizza in the oven and you're done i miss, miss those days man all my pizzas are probably fire based now so <laughs> but yeah no fair enough yeah. sorry to rub it in <laughs> yeah pizza and beer yeah <laughs> uh cool so my fourth one for you is would you rather sit in an ice bath for a few hours or run on a treadmill non-stop for a few hours uh treadmill yeah i do quite a bit of running anyway so oh treadmill, cool i hate cold water Mm. I can avoid it. Uh, I mean, I have cold showers up like quite a cape, like often in Florida because it gets so hot. But yeah, it's a painful. I wouldn't mind running as yeah. long as it's not too long. I would do a couple of hours. Well, what I've written here is a few hours. So a few hours. That oh, choice. Hours. <laughs> it's a marathon now, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marathon or ice bath? Probably an ice bath. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but it's not a short ice bath either so it's the same amount of time oh, you'll be oh, running for oh, or sitting in an ice bath running running because at least i'm getting something out of it at yeah at least it's productive <laughs> cool okay uh what's the worst career decision you've ever made i know you're quite you're quite early in your career yeah I'm but still on i the guess career doesn't board. have to be yeah i guess career doesn't have to be actual job it could be like 
just to lead up learning. to where I am now, I guess. Um, yeah, it's anything else, yeah. Anything I regret doing. It's, it's a tough one because, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer of thinking everything you do leads up to where you are now and like changing yeah. anything would impact what you are. Uh, well, that's a good answer, dude. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. very much in the same camp as that. I don't, I don't tend to think of anything as being something that I would go back and change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say is that I wish I'd have um, been more present in my experience of uni because I look back on it now and it was just, it was so fantastic. Uh, and I would do anything to just, you know, have one more night in a house with all my boys and like, oh, yeah, just yeah, have like a, sure, a beer yes. and chill out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, I, I honestly, it only gets worse as you get older, do you? I mean, the, I've been out of uni for 11 years now. And I, I, I honestly, if I could go back, as you said, just for one day, mm. just having that social environment and not really having a care in the world and just, you know, being treated like a kid. Mm. Yeah, I'd, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> it gets worse. You get older, you're like, oh, take me back. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just gonna get further and further away from yeah yeah, yeah. the happy place <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, what i'm excited for is is kind of almost doing it when i'm older and when i've when we've all got families and like i'm excited yeah. to see it when we hopefully we will stay uh close and like in the same proximity um mm -hmm. but i can see that being almost like you know this the movie grown-ups Oh, That's yeah, what yeah, I aspire yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely. I think any, any, anyone would aspire to that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kept in touch with a few people at uni, but it's it's strange, especially because I think people come to a university and they're not necessarily from all the you know they're not from the same place. They're all from all over the country a lot of the time. So yeah, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to stay in touch and see people as often as you'd like to. Mm. Yeah, doesn't that's partly why. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's partly the reason why I kind of moved uh, closer to where I went to uni. I mean, one was the fact that I, the job offer came um, mm -hmm. around the same uh, in the same county, um, which which was nice. But like that decision to move away from home, I was like, hands down, I'm gonna do it because. Uh, I lived like two or three hours away from where all my uni mates were like um just wanted to be in the same vicinity and be able to meet up yeah even if it's like half an hour 45 minute drive like to each other we can all make that effort to do it and yeah. it's it's uh, gonna happen a lot more frequently than if i was down south um where i live with my parents so yeah yeah definitely man. yeah 100%. um what is your largest motivator uh probably what other people are doing you know we touched on this before but mm. it's definitely what other people are doing like if i see people doing like shit hot work then it's like wow well, no you need to stop doing you stop playing video games stop <laughs> you know you need to get on and do it now um that's probably my biggest part of it yeah seeing other yeah. people create amazing work and, yeah and wanting to do the same thing yes i like that answer nice Cool. Um, what makes you proud of your family? So I'm getting Ooh. a bit deep with yours, aren't I? 
<laughs> That's a difficult question. What makes me proud of my family? Uh, it's tough because I, I've been at uni for like three years and then I've moved out. So like for the past like three or four years, yeah, I haven't yeah, really yeah. been around them. Um, I come from like a split family. So to, to me, just like everyone's ability to uh, deal with inconveniences in life, whether big or small, and just continue powering forward uh, and loving those around you and having very strong bonds with the ones that are still around. Yeah, that's is what, a really good answer. Uh, what I like. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's all about, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, crap at staying in touch with my family even when I lived in England but yeah it's something that I need to especially I think it actually maybe helped me a little bit like calling my family and stuff because I knew that I was so much further away I had to kind of make more of an effort uh, but yeah regardless of I think if you're from like a your parents aren't split up or they are split up yeah it's, um, mm. it's really important to make sure everyone you see everyone and you, you, you speak to each other as, as much as you can yeah because sure. yeah, uh i think it was a podcast from jay shetty that i was listening to and he was talking about um how let's say you, you don't live with your parents anymore and you've moved away and you only see them let's say you see them three times a year uh let's say it's christmas maybe easter and their birthday or something like that uh yeah. if you calculate how many how many years they've still got left Oh, dude, yeah, that's Times horrible, it by dude. the yeah. amount of times that you see him. Ah, yeah, but horrible, but also very... Realistic. It's the realism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's, and it, that is what it is. So I think it's probably worth everyone doing that. <laughs> yeah, it may, it really yeah. did make me call him a lot more, uh, even through yeah. uh, through COVID and just um, living alone and not being able to go out and all that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Like, I'd go for a walk and I'd be prompted call them a lot yeah, more yeah, i hope yeah. i can continue that habit but yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. very much the same yeah perfect well yeah once again i probably said it about five times already thank you so much for coming on josh yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. been Thanks better than me. i ever expected and uh i feel like we've created a nice bond here and uh for the fact mm -hmm. that i'd never spoken to you properly even though we've been mm -hmm. following each other for, for so so long on instagram yeah um it's been really nice to actually put a face to a name make that connection uh, and i hope everyone that's been listening to this podcast has really enjoyed uh, our collaboration and all the advice that we've been able to give you uh, through josh's experience and journey in design um, and yeah for those of you that are aspiring to be in josh's shoes and have his career path uh, and be at the point where he is making money from <laughs> sat in his bedroom in his pants like he like he said then uh, yeah i'm hoping this podcast can allow you to do that um but if you like the creatively conscious podcast uh, please leave me a rating or a review uh, it helps other people to discover this podcast um, and like i said like i said earlier um i would have said it in the outro that i'm gonna post record um if you want more design related content follow me over on instagram um, and you can also follow josh over on instagram so my handle is hedges.design and his handle is the underscore monochromatic underscore institute uh, so thank you so much to everyone that's been listening and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day guys i'll see you next time